Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com. It's possible when you quantum think. And what is that all about? Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Bowman with Happy Healthy You. And my guest today is Diane Collins. She is such an original thinker. She's a media personality. She's the author of the six-time award-winning bestseller, Do You Quantum Think? New Thinking That Will Rock Your World. I love this book. I finished it and it's considered a must-read book for our changing times, and I can't agree more. Diane's life is dedicated to helping people live spirited, joyful, and masterful lives through our leaps in awareness and learning what she calls the physics of the mind. And Diane created Quantum Think, which is a system of thinking that includes 21 principles to connect us to living our full potential. I just love this stuff. <laughs> From inner serenity to harmonious relationships, business results, and global affairs. In her book, Do You Quantum Think?, she puts it all together by integrating science, philosophy, and spirituality, and drawing on sources from cutting-edge scientific innovations to the wisdom of the world's greatest spiritual leaders made practical in daily life. Hi, Diane. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, Connie. I'm so thrilled to be with you and everyone. Yeah, I loved your book. I What I love about it is you take this really sort of complicated, abstract subject and you write, write it in such a clear and even witty style so that all of us can not only engage with it, but sort of enjoy the ride. So I love Thank that. Thank you. That's such a high compliment coming from you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, well, you know, that is that is my intent. I like entertainment, and I think we all do, and we want to have fun in life. So even if you take a topic that is, you know, somewhat uh, serious, like how do you relate? What's your relationship with your own mind to make it fun and to make it easy and to make it enjoyable? That's really what my intent was in writing Do Quantum Think. Yeah, you sure accomplished that. So let's start out by distinguishing between what a lot of people are calling the old way of thinking, which is sort of linear, based on physical matter, and the quantum worldview. So maybe talk about how they how they differ. Okay, great. Well, if you think, you know, like my growing up, and I'm sure a lot of people in this conversation with us now, beyond the limits of space-time, uh, learn along the way. As you think, so you become. And we know that even in the most... Uh, superficial way of thinking about it, not bad, but just, you know, a light way of thinking about it, that our habits of thinking uh, 
And the meanings we give those thoughts, our habits of thinking give rise to our actions, including what we say, how we listen, how we relate to our situations in life, and therefore to all of our results. And meaning results, meaning our experience moment to moment. So you could say our, you know, the experience of ourselves from the inside, our spirit, uh, the results meaning how we are connected with others, our relational field, as I like to think of it, in our communications, our connection, and also the outer results, you know, what we think of houses, money, cars, career, business results, etc. And so thinking is very important Mm -hmm. now. So I thought, well, if all you had to do is change your thought to change the world, why does it still look the way it does? And it's what I discovered, Connie, was that our thinking is not as free and independent as we would like to think of ourselves. That thinking, well, it's like this. If thinking creates reality, what creates thinking? That was my question. Mm. And what I discovered is that our thinking is guided by something like a container for thinking. So let's, you know, the edges. So when you look at it this way, what is the what I lovingly call the old worldview thinking. The industrial age set of assumptions, beliefs, and ideas we're still under the influence of. So our thinking is guided by this overarching system that we call the worldview, what we believe to be true about the nature of reality, how it works, how we fit into it, what we're capable of, what's possible, and what's not. So we're in this quantum age, and we have this more expanded knowledge that has been coming to us from cutting-edge science of the last hundred years, and yet we're still, as a culture, under the influence, even those of us on a conscious path, on a mind-body-spirit path, we're still under the influence of some automatic habits of thinking that were conditioned by, quote, a mechanical worldview. So you look at it like this, the big paradigm shift in science was from seeing the universe as a giant machine, as you said, physical, to seeing the universe more like a giant mind. Now, quantum think is not, my work is not about science. It's about how the discoveries of science shape the way we think and how we can use it. So what I realized is that the difference is this, old world view industrial age view only matter is real was the declaration Mm -hmm. and if you translate matter as the word circumstances because this is how it maps on to thinking old world view circumstance rules new world view intent rules intent being one of the main five faculties of mind so you look at it say when i was just to finish up on this uh, distinction that the, the container for thinking, if your container in which you can expand and explore and imagine 
is very much conditioned by a physical reality, what we glean with our ordinary five senses. It's almost like you can become easily become a victim of that. Now, I know you know this on a personal basis sure. because you took yourself out of that when you had, you know, a very dire circumstances. Right. And we're all confronted with circumstances, Connie. But the idea that you don't have to be at the effect of your circumstances when you realized that reality is actually mind-based. What we hold in our mind is giving us our experience moment by moment and uh, what we experience we emanate what we emanate we attract so that this big shift is to go from looking at the world from the point of view of the more expansive holistic whole systems I can shift my experience with my intent reality. So old worldview, circumstance rules, new worldview, quantum age worldview, intent rules. Okay. Okay. Let's just break this down a little bit because I, I get it, but I think there needs to be an awareness of what is keeping us from thinking these thoughts that we need to think to come to this. Because you say in your book, what fills our mind becomes your world. And you talk a lot about the media. And you say if the media focused on what works about our government, our politics, and our social problems, you know, thing, things would be a lot different. But instead, we focus on what do you say, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> So, right. so maybe talk exactly. a little bit about how, why we are, why we are, sort of unconscious about what the thoughts we are allowing ourselves to think, and how we can shift out of that. Well, if you look at you know the idea of the the old worldview is actually called classical mechanical worldview. So. As I say, do you quite think not to insult anyone, but in many ways, at that stage of human development, of human evolution, we became in many ways mechanical too in our thinking. I call these least action pathways. Least action being a hyphenated one word, think of it, the least creative action, the least consciously aware action. So when you look at this and you realize, and just even about the media, you know, and I say, what are the, there are least action pathways that we have as individuals, these automatic thoughts. Now we don't know where they come from, but the old worldview thinking has conditioned us to analysis. Well, when I was two years old, my mother told me, you'll never make it, you know, mm -hmm. you better get married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's why I feel limited, you know, being a woman or, or whatever, you know, we will never really be able to pinpoint because from a quantum worldview, there's no absolute and static way that anything is. We're in a universe of energy and flux informed by intelligence, intelligent energy. And we're the focal points of being able to direct that. So when you look at why do we have these thoughts, these unwanted thoughts, these 
what I call wretched self syndrome thoughts that's got to go, right? Any of the, I'm not good enough, I don't know if I can, what if it doesn't work out, and any variation on that theme. And so if you look at it, I gave it this label, we're least action pathway, and it's actually part of the quantum thing principle called infinite possibility. Hmm. In every moment, there's an infinite number of ways that we can focus. What is in the interfering with that are these least action pathways. Now, if you think of it like that, rather than trying to go into analysis, or I was always this way, or it came from a past life, and who knows, Connie, maybe, it, maybe some of that is valid. But the point is, life is experienced moment by moment. And when we can get a new relationship with our thoughts, I'll do it with everyone right now. Okay. Make a distinction. This can free you forever. This is, this is simple and, and really and valid. You can make a distinction between a thought that you originate, that you initiate. You're generating it consciously, choosing it. And a thought that just visits from the surrounding atmosphere. I call it the thoughtosphere. Because another aspect characteristic of the quantum worldview is that we exist in fields. Now, just think of it. If we're brought up under uh, an orientation, and we know we have thought is invisible, some people can see it, whatever energy, if you're trained, but just for the most part, thought is invisible, energy, subtle energy is invisible, spirit is invisible, all these, uh, soul is invisible, and we know the importance uh, of all of these various dimensions in our life, yet our societies, I say blame it on the old worldview, these automatic thoughts, our society's orientation around the ordinary five senses, just in education you can see it, what do we learn in school about the matter, the brain? We're not learning about how to use the power of intent, intuition. How do we use subtle energy and convert it and tune into it? What is the nature of resonance which manifests? And what about the fifth faculty, I call it, the meditative state? It's a natural state. And when you're in the, when you, so we're not learning these five natural faculties of mind because the container for thinking has been very limited by the physical only worldview. So when you start to look from a quantum worldview, you realize we are existing in these invisible fields. Now, this is not technical. Walk into a room of happy people. Before you hear them utter a word, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. You feel it vibrationally, right? Sure. So this is very, very simple. But however, it's nice to know that it's actually now, you know, scientific discovery and scientific fact, if that makes people, you know, feel more comfortable with it. But when you start to quantum think, you start to relate uh, in, in about that there are these fields, there are mind fields, like, you know, how people say, well, spirit told me, or I had an intuition. 
and I knew what I should do. Mm -hmm. Or I went to sleep with a problem and I woke up three o'clock in the morning. Aha, Eureka, I've got it. And, you know, so you could say, where did that come from? Because we are surrounded, we are floating, swimming in a sea of infinite intelligence. And we connect in, just like we connect in to the infinite mind of humanity on the internet, the good, the bad, the ugly, and Mm -hmm. the sublime, you know, what connects us in our choice. So this little exercise, make a distinction between a thought you originate and a thought that just visits these least action pathways again we'll never know where did they come from it doesn't matter the point is connie you're not stuck with it you don't have to believe it it's certainly not the absolute truth for all time just because you have a thought doesn't make it the truth You don't have to identify it. You don't have to own it in any way. And this is why I say, let it fly by like a bird past your window. Mm. And this is how we create consciously a new relationship with our thoughts. So I'm talking about a new relationship with the system of thinking, the set of assumptions that is the container for our thinking and a new relationship with your individual thoughts, the ones that just visit, if they don't empower you, if that thought doesn't make you happy, don't own the thought. Sure, yeah. Let it fly by. So it's really thinking intentionally, allowing your thoughts to be more intentional. Exactly. So, okay. Saying it. So that is, uh, I just finished yoga teacher training, so we've been meditating like nonstop for weeks and weeks and weeks, which has been great. And so now, I, this is just my own example. I don't know, maybe you have a better one. But I feel like I'm able to better discriminate between those thoughts that are mine and those thoughts that are influenced by external things. And I mean, it really is a leap of consciousness. But how? so how do we get there? Is meditation one tool? Is it the only tool? I mean, how do we get there to that place where we really can be intentional about our thoughts? Well, meditation is certainly an important tool. And I also consider when I distinguish the five natural faculties of mind that meditation is an actual uh, inherent faculty and there is the practice. But I think uh, the first thing is creating a conscious intent to make that leap. I mean, another tool, quantum think, the system of thinking is a tool because what I realized, and so, you know, the, for it, everything that we create starts with the active dynamic that we've been divinely bestowed with by human birth. And that is intent, the directed energy and attention that we uh we say in the form of a statement or the form of a thought. And I make a distinction between intent and intention, though those are often used interchangeably. And it's an important distinction, I think, because 
it's not like any of this is, quote, the absolute truth either. That's a quantum worldview. No fixed and absolute way that it is for all time, other than what you may think of as divine or source creator, mm -hmm. but for everyday human life. So distinctions are created to give us access to something. Because for me, it's about going from merely knowing wisdom to actually living it, to being the walking, talking embodiment of it. So intent and intention. Think of intention okay. as an end goal, something measurable, something, you know, I want a million dollars in my bank account you know, by the end of the year, something like that, okay. where intent is a statement that creates a whole opening of possibilities. So you might say, if you were on the money example, I am delighted with the way my financial status is unfolding day by day. Now, if you're delighted with the financial status, uh, it 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 all automatically assumes that it's good so you don't have to say and it's getting better and better it's like i'm delighted with the way my financial status is evolving now an intent used in this shamanic sense is an activation of the energy intelligent field you could call your personal resonance now it's not a statement of intent is not based in evidence that's, again, that old world view thinking, you know, mm -hmm. I'll believe it when I see it. It's also not based in belief. What is it based in? A statement of intent that's going to shift the way that you think, the, what, the opportunities you attract to you. It is based in knowledge that from a quantum worldview, Reality is context dependent and that we can choose the context that we want to live from. And it's as simple of the glass half empty, the glass half full. The circumstance called this much water in the glass is the same. But when you are, for ex what you were talking about, being in yoga class, becoming more aware of your own awareness, becoming aware of the thoughts that are passing through your mind, which it only in that state do we have real choice. In that state, we can say, you know, I woke up today, I was feeling in the doldrums, but you know what? I'm not going to be stuck in that vortex of, you know, oh, I'm having a bad hair day, minor calamity after another will follow because this is the physics of mine. Mm -hmm. You can shift it right there. You wake up, you have a thought, it's a, le oh, there's a least action pathway thought. And you know what? Today is a glorious day. And is that true? It hasn't even happened yet. It's a statement of intent that I'm choosing to live from. So that's a bit on the power of intent as the active dynamic that we, it's like the clay that we get to mold life with. Now, how do you make that big leap to quantum thinking? Is it starts with your intent. That my intent is I am living from 
an expanded world view. And how, you know, then you need to know the characteristics. So, you know, of course, I'm always trying to get people to, to read my book. I invite people to. Uh, you either resonate with it or you don't. But the idea that the reason I wrote it is so people would read it and not just read it, but enable all of us. My husband, Alan Collins, and I are partners in life and everything. We've been married 25 years. We still read Do You Quantum Think quite frequently. We use it intuitively, open it to any page, or we know the distinctions. So sometimes we say, oh, let's lead, read about you know being in one conversation or whatever it is. But because what it does is you connect to your own awareness as you read. When you give yourself something experientially, I think that's what happens in yoga class. You can tell me your experience mm -hmm. is that you're in there, you're in, you're, you're literally giving yourself an experience of your own awareness so that you can watch your thoughts. You know, what we know is called mindfulness. You can watch your thoughts, and when you can watch your thoughts, then you don't have to grab onto any of them. You can say, you know what? I say it to this in the shower because I have a lot of thoughts. I like to let my mind drift, right? Mm -hmm. In the shower, there's people say there's something to do with water. You know, we're mostly water, so that would activate whatever is going on. And I, if I have all of a sudden start thinking something that is bringing me down, Connie, I just say to, silently to myself, wait a minute, I don't want, I don't want that thought. Mm. Now, what can I intentionally, as you say, good way of saying it, think about that will shift my resonance right now? And so it, that's is how it works, you know, Creating an intent for a leap in consciousness. Mm, I, that, that's really powerful. And that totally does happen in yoga. But I feel like yoga also gives you an opportunity to distract the monkey mind a little bit with the breath and with some of these movements that are so um, just, I think the, the asana in yoga, sometimes they're just they're there for the body, but I think what they're really doing is distracting the mind and allowing spirit or our intention to, to flow in or flow out, whatever. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And you know, yeah. I've been uh, a student of meditation for, I don't know, <laughs> forever, <laughs> but uh, a serious student. And I have you know, engaged in different practices with different uh, meditation masters. The one that I focus on most is called Siddha Yoga, S-I-D-D-H-A. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about, there are different types of yoga. And the one, the asanas, the postures is called Hatha Yoga. And then there are other yogas called Janana Yoga, which has to do with, you know, knowledge. It deals uh, more with the wisdom, the intellect part of it, and there is bhakti yoga, which is devo devotional, 
which if anyone knows the stories of the gopis, the milkmaids and Lord Krishna, and they were just, you know, Lord Krishna, Krishna, they didn't have to do anything. It was just, they were totally devoted. But it's exactly what you're saying. When you look at Hatha yoga, a lot of people may not uh, realize this, but all of yoga, and yoga means union. What is the union? It's the union of let's say your individual self to the higher to the all that is Hmm. self and we're always simultaneously both of those and this is one of the intents of quantum thinking is to be be in a walking talking living meditation i call it Mm -hmm. because and these practices the hatha yoga it really is for you to direct your awareness, to have to be in that state of awareness, in that transcendent state, as you say, where, you know, you can watch the monkey mind, but you don't have to hop onto the back of it and just be swept about like a leaf in the wind. But you can, you, you learn as a habit and your body, those asana positions, assist us in that focus and the more we do it i heard somebody say a long time ago i always liked the way he thought of it you know because people call about the ego i say love your ego love yourself i don't like i'm not an ego basher like a lot of a lot of teachers <laughs> me neither are, but, me neither you know the ego is what we live in everyday life on sure. earth right sure. the roles we play you're an actor right? We, right we all play why do we all love movies television acting because celebrity the you know the big larger than life personas because it reflects ourselves back to ourselves right right, right. In, exactly. a, in a fun way and so when you think there's a distinction in quantum thing called being center and the practice is to become the watcher the recreation i call it recreating the distinction in your life so that it, it's you know integrated in you and becoming the watcher Uh, I have this quote in there from a master who says, another meditation master, but he says, to the master, life is like watching a movie. Mm. And you just enjoy the practices to see. It's not like watching a movie detached, but it's watching a movie unattached, which is there's a very important big difference detached is like you're aloof you're not participating so getting back to the idea of ego and and you know ego and the small self and the higher self with a capital s is that when you're when you can see life like entertainment that was the quote sees life like entertainment like watching a movie then what happens is you start to enjoy all the quirks and idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. of the characters in your movie, right? Yes. In your life, of the character you are. <laughs> and it's not like we love, you know, all the quirks. You know, you're married, I'm married. I mean, we know what that's like, right? right, right. You're not going to love every little uh, characteristic about right. whoever is important to you in your life. 
But when you become the watcher, when you're being centered in present moment awareness as a way of life, then you are simultaneously living in that transcendent awareness of awareness state and at the same time fully engaged, enjoying your life, whatever happens to you. And then it, it sort of, it, for me, it feels like, and I think you're talking about the observer effect. Are you here? Is the, you talk about that in your book? Are we? Is it? Is this? What well, the, that's a little different. Okay. Like, what were you Before say? we get there, I f I feel like for me, life is living me more so now that I'm. I sort of feel like I'm. I'm skirting around the edges of this world that you're talking about. I f feel like everything that comes into my life is there to show me something about about me about my experience here living and it and it seems more miraculous and i'm appreciative rather than being stressed out by some of the things that come in so it's a different way of looking at it it's it's pretty cool but maybe you it could really is yeah, yeah and and it's just miraculous <laughs> It's just miraculous. Well, you know, so. I live that way. And, well, I don't like to ever say, you know, like, well, I live that right. way. Right, because well, then you'll I get bit in the ass. you, you got to be careful. Quantum think, and they're familiar with quantum principles sure. or spiritual principles, you know, right. which I'm bringing it together, as you know, because you read it, into making it practical and modern, you know, in modern life. But I, you know, it's not like, well, I live this way because... Mastery, the way I look at it, is a moment-by-moment -moment proposition. Mm. Oh, I was going to say, so this guy that I heard say it this way many, many years ago, he said, you know, between, you know, well, when are you, like, stuck in the ego state where, as you're saying, life is living you. It's like you're, you're, be, you're like, it's like bathed in the infinite possibility and the infinite intelligence of life and you're following along and you're still taking you know there's a certain free will and destiny going on so you've got your destiny you know you were we're all have whatever we're born into and when you start to relate to it like you are connie where you know okay this is where i'm supposed to be why am i being shown this and when you start to relate to that life that way, that's part of what I was talking about earlier about relating to the field, to the intelligent field, is that you're relating to that which is infinite, but it's in a certain way unknowable, but you know the principles are working. So you have an, a lot of different intents in life, and then the, the dynamic of allowing, that's one of the principles. Mm, sure. Allowing what shows up and then relating to it as you are, Connie, in a conscious way. I keep promising to say what the guy told me. Well, he said <laughs> about you shift the percentage. So when people, for example, start to meditate or, you know, some people say, oh, I, I can't meditate or I can only sit, you know, for I can't even sit for a minute without my mind, you know, the monkey mind going crazy, flitting all over the place. But the more you engage in the practice with the intent to be centered, then 
as he said, you shift the percentage. And so that's what happens. So instead of living in life victimized by your circumstances, including the circumstances called your visiting least action pathway thoughts, those are circumstances too. Right. Instead, you're doing what you're doing. It's like you're choosing. So when I say, well, I live this way, or people look at the book and they go, I know the quantum principles, but it's not about knowing it. It's about living it. It's about being it. You know, the famous Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, if we want to live the principles of consciously collaborating on creating a beautiful life on this planet for ourselves, our families, our communities in the world, then guess what? That's up to us to start being that consciously aware being. And I think that is really the exciting thing that's going on today is, you know, people talk about the great shift, the mm -hmm. shift in consciousness, right, the right. leap in consciousness. But it does mean that we have to choose it consciously. When you choose a life of mastery, when you choose a life of conscious evolution like that, I'm here to consciously evolve myself to the highest state that I can be in. I mean, that to me, Connie, is about the hot, the best contribution we can make on this planet, because that's what people pick up on, our state. And, and how can that change the world if one person, I love this question, because I've, I've read different ideas on this. How can one person evolving toward that goal change the world for the better? Because we are in a continuous exchange. You know, there are what you say, the very first principle in the quantum thing system. By the way, the idea of the system is the system is like a vortex, because I think, I, you know, I wrote in the book, changing the world one thought at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You know, can you imagine the agony of it, not to mention the impossibility? So it's not like you're tracking thought one by one by one. But when you leap systems, when you leap perspectives, and you pointed out one type of a leap in perspective is where you're watching what the intelligence of the universe is showing you, and you're interacting with it. So that is where it's like you put yourself in a vortex of new thinking of in think it's thinking that takes you to a new condition for your life so it's not just the cognitive click 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 left brain new thinking means what how to uh facilitate to become adroit and adept with these faculties of mind. And if you look at it in the system, it's like going on a road trip. There's a system to the roads. That's how you can get from Los Angeles to New York with, you know, in a shorter time, whether than you're wandering. Sure. So you still have free choice within the system. But when you know the principles it has when you have the more distinctions you have in life about anything let's say you're an actor you have a lot many more distinctions 
about acting, about voice, about how you hold your body, about stage presence, all of the, you know, and many things that I'm not mentioning that you know, then you're going to be masterful in that art when you get in front of a camera on a stage, more so than I would be, who has fewer distinctions. So it's like that. The more distinction we have with regard to how we participate in this co-creation, the better it is. Now, you asked the question about how can one how does one person make a difference? Well, I will say something technical here that I learned from uh, Edgar Mitchell, who was the was the an Apollo fourteen astronaut, who uh, many of your listeners may know, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon. He had a, <laughs> he had that experience that yeah. he tells all the time. It's a great story where. He wasn't really, you know, he was a brought, you know, trained as an engineer, scientist, you know, not brought up in that old worldview, right? Physical only kind of thing. And he wasn't, you know, thinking about consciousness, I don't think, too much at that point. But when he said he went, when they was coming back from the moon, he had a chance to um, relax a little and just look out the window, and he saw the sun, the moon, and the earth at the same time. And he had this kind of Satori experience where he realized everything was alive with consciousness. Anyway, that was sort of a side story, mm, but it's a good story. I love his story, and yes. he came back, and he started to try to look up what was this experience that he had. And he found some of it in Eastern, you know, philosophical, scriptural literature on the nature of consciousness, but he couldn't find that much. So he created the Institute of Noetic Science, noetic meaning basically mind and consciousness. And what and to research the nature of consciousness. Okay, so that was a big preamble. But what I learned from him was that relates to your question, is this idea of the quantum hologram, which actually comes from some German uh, physicists, I think. But the idea of it is that, and this is science, that every body, meaning any entity right that we think of as ordinary objects as people as whatever a plant uh, a piece of furniture that every body emit is in a cut contains the event is how he says it the total event history of that object and it's constantly emitting it. And we're in this continuous exchange of this energy information consciousness mm. through, the, through the field, all of the above, because life is multidimensional. And we can't quite figure out, you know, exactly how to say it in words, which are limiting by nature. But when you look at it and you realize, walk into a room... And this is one of the things, by the way, that I'm sure you know, because as you become 
more sensitive. And as you start to clear the static on the radio of your own being, the connectivity between you, your intent, your desires in life, other people who you want to connect with, it's a clearer channel. So you think of it on, you know, a cell phone. Do we have, if you have two bars up, right? Mm -hmm. You have a connection, but it might be a little weaker than if you have five bars up. And when you have five bars up, you're living from that, that meditative state is where we're connected to all that is infinite intelligence. That is where, where does anything, what gives us the power to create is that. So in your yoga class, in the meditation, in the reading of Do You Quantum Think or any of the other many, many, many tools there are coming, you know, being revealed and being uh, offered on the planet at this time, even the simplest thing that everyone says of going in nature, walking out in nature, connecting to the energy of trees. I live on the ocean here in Miami Beach, of connecting to the sea, the sky, the birds, any of that, that gets us focused. And so when you think about what am I emanating? You know, what I was going to say, when you start to become sensitive to subtle energy, and that it can be converted, we can use it. If you're angry, uh, I do this on the tennis court, <laughs> you get angry or frustrated, that type of emotion, it's not necessarily negative. That's old worldview thinking, either or. That's a negative, you know, anger right. is negative, love right. is positive, right? Right. But it's not, in a quantum worldview, Nothing, you know, who said in Shakespeare, nothing is either good nor bad, only thinking makes it so. Right, right. And that's true. It's how we choose to land on that. So if you go on the, on the, on the uh, tennis court and I'm missing my shots and all of a sudden I'm feeling that, you know. Frustration. That, yeah, that yeah. frustrating energy. And I'll say to myself, okay. Let me convert this energy. And how do you do it? By nature of intent. Just because I became aware enough and I'm saying, okay, let's have this, let's channel this energy into something else. But it really has to do with that nanosecond, that instantaneous shift in intent. Mm -hmm. So the quantum hologram, we're always, this is science. We're always emanating and we're always picking up on what we tune into. And I was going to keep saying, when you become more sensitive, you can feel the density of something or a person. When someone is stuck in these, you know, kind of, I don't like higher or lower, but mm -hmm. for the purpose of this conversation, you could say in the lower kind of emotional field where you know, let's just say something simple, somebody complaining, someone, uh, what else do we do? <laughs> Griping. Mm -hmm. Let's make it, you well, know, we you, all have these least action pathways. You That's can also you use the tennis uh, example. I mean, if you're playing tennis with a partner who's super competitive and 
I don't know. I don't. I play tennis too, and I I have shifted to a less. I want to win. Surely I want to win. But right now, I really just want to have a good game and have a good experience and give my partner a good experience. I mean, that sounds kind of Lala, but it's true. I don't. I don't want well, to. You know what? So. That's not Lala. Let me tell you. I have to tell you something very interesting about this that relates to that. And and you know what? That's a great example because. When you're worried, because I have this thing too that my husband is my tennis partner. He's a better uh-uh. tennis player than I am, so he always challenges me. But he tell he says you don't have that that killer competitive instinct. So I think, well, wait a minute, I need that, <laughs> right? But getting back to you, but so, but the point being, if you worry about it, then it takes away, it it dilutes your presence. Totally. And in the presence, that's the mastery state. When you're present is when you're going to play better tennis. Exactly, exactly. So allowing that frustration to take over would just inhibit your mastery because we talk about athletes being in the flow and that really means being in the moment. And the that's- only way to stay in the moment is to be present, to breathe. <laughs> To, to make those choices of intention, like you talk right. about. Right, and to get, oh my into, gosh. you know, to have that kind of relationship with your own mind. And, of course, you probably watch, we watch, you know, the major Grand Slam tournaments. Do mm-hmm. you? Yeah, uh, every once in a while, yeah, when I remember to. <laughs> but when you look at these athletes, you mm-hmm. know, you, especially tennis, because it's a, in, at least in singles, you know, mm-hmm. it's a singular sport. You're there. Sure, <laughs> it's right. you and the elements and the right. crowd, and you have all these things around where circumstances. It's a perfect metaphor for us in life sure. because every day is different. It could be windy. It could be cold. It can be too hot. Uh, you can be playing in, in your opponent's hometown and every the whole crowd, speaking about the power of intent, that's powerful there, mm-hmm. there for them, you know. And so you're dealing. So when you look at it, as I, I used to make this distinction when we would do our quantum thing teleconference programs between a master and a champion, that a champion, you know, has this, you're winning consistently, so you're a champion. But what makes a master is different because a master can win under any circumstance because they're coming from that place that I say from which all greatness derives. Like you say, you're in the zone. Mm -hmm. And that to me, Connie, is really, it's the essence of life and what you I want to also just, you know, not pass over and highlight what you said. It's just enjoying it. I was going to say, I have a related story. We have a client who um, is a golfer, a senior level executive in a major corporation. And he, we do consulting, you know, by, by telephone. And we, he works on his golf game. And, you know, Alan and I don't play golf. 
but Alan, but we both talk to him and coach him on his golf game. My brother, who's a big golfer, always wondered. He's puzzled. <laughs> Alan, how do you coach somebody on golf when you've never when you played play. a, a round of golf in your life? You know, it's just because when you get to that level, I was going to say about, you know, the top tennis players, the top golf players, it becomes about the mind, you know, and all the announcers, they always say it, you know, well, this is mental now, this is nerves now. Sure. This is the importance of the mantra of quantum think. When you master your mind, you master your life. So anyway, this client, he uh, was sort of in a slump in his golf, and then we were coaching him and creating an intent, and it was along the lines of what you said. You go, uh, he decided he was going out to play and he was playing in a, in a tournament and he was a little bit nervous about it because he never really played in a club tournament. He was playing with some very high level players. Well, this is what happened bottom line is he went out to play with an intent similar to yours. I'm enjoying playing golf today and I'm bringing, you know, I know the best is, uh, I'm bringing the best to the game. So he wasn't thinking about the score. He wasn't creating an intention. And I'm going to win. That's where you limit the infinite intelligence. Mm -hmm. When we come up with just one little thing of how we see the picture, how it should end, you know, then we're not allowing for, hey, what can happen? And so uh, he went out and guess what? He beat the guy. He came came in second, I think, but he, he beat the person who was the number two in this whole club, you know, ranking. So this was kind of unheard of, but this is the power of intent. Sure. This is the power of not being attached to the end result. This is the power of staying in that meditative faculty of mind and knowing that we have been given the opportunity to consciously create from intent. This is so fascinating, Diane. I could talk to you forever about this. And I have completely (laughs) gone off script. I'm like, I have... I haven't, I don't think I've asked one question that I had planned to ask you. So here's my question, because I'm just trying to be in this quantum field. This just came in and I'm going to choose this question. Where does and or how does love intersect with this quantum view? (laughs) That's an interesting love. That's the big term, isn't it? Well, love is... There, there is a distinction in quantum think, one of the principles called emotions and the power of mind. Love from the inside out is the subtitle. And that's how, this is how I think of it. You know, I say, okay, scientists forever, you know, searching for the quantum, the unified field. And love is really our natural state. Hmm. And it's not like we have to uh, go looking for love, looking for love in all the wrong right. places. It's that this is the power of context. And uh, in earlier in this in this show, and I 
mentioned that from a quantum worldview, reality is not fixed. Reality is context dependent. So if you operate from the context that love is the underlying unified field of all of life, and of course, every great wisdom master has said it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you start to live from that, as a prof- it's a profound relationship. It's a profound relationship with your own intent to live from that condition because you know that that is the essence of who we are. This is not flowery, you know, language. This is the essence. It's, and we all know it because in the spiritual dimension, we do experience that. When things, you know, when pe- people get distracted, what I call by uh, a conceptual, that separation consciousness, by the way, that the, the old worldview has conditioned us mm-hmm. to that, you know, every in the physical dimension, we look separate from one another. We look different. Who knows that did that give rise to all the bigotry and fear and everything else that's going that we call our divisiveness in society. And maybe it did, but we tend to think in parts rather than holes. Well, when you start to live from holes, you're living from that field of love and you and you recognize it. Look what happened on 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the politicians in the United States were hugging across the aisle. Then I call it, you know, push, it was a crisis awakening rather than a conscious awakening. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I feel now. What, why, what, were you, what were you thinking about love, Connie? No, that's exactly. You articulated it beautifully. <laughs> I just, I... I wanted to end on that note because I do feel like it it comes full circle to back to love. And um, a lot of people don't appreciate that, I think, when they start thinking about these these expand mind expanding topics. So I just wanted you to to tell me. (laughs) And it was beautiful. So love is the source, right? Love is the seed, (laughs) the blossom and the fruit of life and now we can just look and see all the different ways that love expresses Mm. that's infinite Mm, that's beautiful thank you so much we could as i said talk about this forever and and your book is just a resource that i think i could go back to over and over again and i'm glad you brought that up because i think i'll start doing that and i love at the end how you have some of these um, quantum think recreation, um, how to live the wisdom of resonance. And um, there's a few different exercises that you have in the back of the book. So those are really powerful practices that we can kind of build these muscles. Um, so so give us the information that we need to get the book and to find you online and to connect with you. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation so much. Oh, me too. Um, and 
where the best place is to go to my website, which is dianecollins.com. Diane is spelled with two N's, D-I-A-N-N-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. And everything is there. My newsletter, if you want to get an article on how to apply quantum thinking in your business, my book, all about it, links to Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, lots of free audio, a couple of videos, social media, blog on Huffington Post, yeah. it's all there. So visit me there, diannecollins.com. And again, thank you from all my heart for having me. Oh, really appreciate it. Thank you. I've enjoyed being in your thoughtosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. Thanks so much, Diane.